the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network, this is The Good News Show. And good afternoon. Thank you so much for tuning in to KTH 910 AM. This is the Good News Show. It is our one show a week that we come to you live to talk about local things happening across both dioceses. My name is Cecil Anderson, and I'm the North Texas assistant of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Normally, this program is like led by the uh, executive director, Dave Palmer. Uh, but this week is kind of a crazy week. We have our spring share happening. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. And uh, he goes to Midland these days to do the Spring share from Midland, Texas with our Vice President Toya Hall and very last minute yesterday, his flight got canceled, had to rearrange things and so he had to leave earlier today. Um, so running the show today is myself and the wonderful Diane Xavier, our production manager. Good afternoon, Diane. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Cecil. I heard there's going to be severe thunderstorms, hail, maybe tornadoes this afternoon later into evening. Oh boy. So I bet that's why his flight got Probably rescheduled. Reschedule- yeah, there was a lot of things, crazy things with flights. I I feel like in the last week or so. Um, but yeah, definitely pray for safe travels for everyone, uh, including Dave, that he should be on a plane, I think right now, uh, flying on his way to Midland. Um, but he fortunately set up a fantastic show for us. So it's going to be a great hour of programming. In the second half of the show, we're going to have an in-studio guest, Dr. Elvira Lim, and she is a forensic psychiatrist. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I, it was kind of a new title to me. It makes sense, but it was kind of a new title to me. And uh, she's a volunteer at Birth Choice, one of the fantastic um, local pregnancy centers we have in the DFW area. And she's going to talk about... Um, the psychological factors behind abortion and what it takes to, uh, to convince a woman to choose life and uh, a little bit about what a forensic psychiatrist is and does. So look forward to that conversation the second half of the show. And the first half of the show is actually a pre-recorded program that we did a few weeks ago. I did with some guests that came in studio. Uh, there's some young people. It's always exciting to have younger people on the air. They're high school students along with one of their coaches. It is a speech and debate uh, team, the club, I guess you could call it, uh, that uh, is out of uh, Mater Dei Parish in uh, Irving. They are part of the um, co-op, the homeschool co-op that goes on there. And they're club is called St. Peter and Paul Speech and Debate Club, and they compete with a uh, national Christian tournament, uh, and they have a couple opportunities that you can volunteer with those tournaments, and they're just going to tell you a little bit about what they do and why it's important, especially for the younger generations, to really be able to formulate an argument well, and obviously the really uh, immediate answer would be like, well, because you have to be able to defend your faith, and they do a great job about uh, explaining all of that and talking about it, so we'll have that pre-recorded program in just a few minutes w- with uh, 
Laura Cavana, the, their coach, Mary Lou Cavana, and William Kirkendall. So look forward to that. Um, but before that, Diane, a lot of news happening the last uh, couple of weeks or the last week or so. We were on retreat. We yes. were at the GRN family retreat in Midland and uh, got to have some wonderful time together and refresh and kind of get that spiritual renewal in the middle of Lent is always, you know, really nice. Yeah, we had a great retreat, Master. One of the best. Yes. Father Sam Medley, you probably hear him most mornings. Uh, he does the Mass. Uh, he's from the Salt Order and does the Mass from Corpus Christi that you hear on GRN at 7.30 a.m. And he was a fantastic uh, guy to lead the retreat. He uh, gave some fantastic talks um, about how to stay strong during hardships. And so really, really blessed to be able to do that. It's always, again, a great way to spend the first you know few weeks of your Lent is to be able to go on a retreat like that. So we're all refreshed and ready to go for our share uh, which, by the way, I thought I mentioned, I've said it before, but our share starts tomorrow, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. tomorrow. It's the theme is Made for Mission. What do you think about when you hear Made for Mission, Diane? That we're all here to serve God in all our life. What we do belongs to God. He gave us that gift to live life, and that's our mission is to live for God, work for God, and represent Him. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, you should come on the share Diane. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking, uh, that's going to be the theme, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, what it means to be a mission, a missionary. We're all called to it when our, we're confirmed, we're all called to be missionaries. Um, so it's going to be great. We have some great giveaways, including the talk that uh, Father John Ricardo uh, gave at our summer speaker series last year here in the DFW area. And uh, we have a recording of that that's going to be given away to every single person that calls in. So yes. it was really, really exciting um, and lots of other giving levels as well. So we'd ask you to pray for us and prayerfully consider maybe making a donation. But prayers are definitely appreciated. Um, the number to call in tomorrow, if you want to be one of the first people to call in, we all have a little bit of a friendly competition, like who's the first person, which market is going to be the first be North Texas, We always want North Texas to be the first one. There's some really, really uh, loyal people in other markets who call like before the lines are even open. But that number, if you want to write it down for tomorrow is 1-800-476-3311. So write that down. That's tomorrow's number. Um, and you can call us. It's uh, four days straight, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day until Friday. Uh, again, our sh spring share made for a mission. And also, I've mentioned it before in the last couple of shows, but we have on Thursday the call center here in North Texas. And that what that means is that we have volunteers come in for two shifts, the morning shift and the afternoon shift shift for about six hours to answer the phone calls from all the lovely listeners who want to donate and taking their pledges. It's pretty simple and straightforward, and uh, we happen to have two spots open again in the morning. We've had a couple of people have to cancel because of rearranged schedules, so I am still looking for two volunteers for the morning shift, which is 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., and you'll get breakfast and lunch and snacks, and you'll get to meet lots of other wonderful Catholics and talk to some amazing people on the phone who are just love Catholic radio. So if this is something you're interested in doing, it's all done on the computer. Uh, I train you, and it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, and it's a lot of fun. So if this is something that you have the availability to do and you want to do this Thursday, that's the 24th, from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. I'm in need of two more volunteers, so maybe you and a friend. You can email me at kath at grnonline.com. Again, kath at grnonline.com. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could have the time to help us. Um, that's about it. You'll hear a lot about Shareathon in the next four days, but uh, something else that happened last week, Diane, while we were on retreat, is that Pope Francis made this really big announcement that he was going to uh, um, uh, consecrate, uh, pray and pray for peace uh, for the Ukraine and Russia and Russia, Russia. <laughs> I made up a country. Um, and so, uh, he put out this, uh, 
this announcement last week. I think it was last Wednesday. Um, but in addition to that, he has um, invited all bishops around the world uh, in this historic prayer for peace um, in Ukraine and Russia uh, this Friday, this Friday. Um, and it's going to be 5 p.m., I believe, Rome time. But both of our local bishops in the Fort Worth and Dallas diocese have responded to this um, call and are saying, yes, we're going to do this. So uh, I wanted to give some information about that in case you hadn't heard it um, in the Fort Worth diocese, Bishop uh, Michael Olson has accepted the invitation and he is going to be having a rosary and a uh will join the consecration at saint patrick cathedral at 11 a.m on friday march 25th and uh we'll pray a rosary together and also i believe have a mass i think i can't tell from this uh, article or not yes uh, i believe a mass as well and um you are invited to join them in person at downtown fort worth or they also are having the live stream um, I'm assuming on their Facebook page and other places like that. So 11 a.m. at the St. Patrick's Cathedral in downtown Fort Worth. And Bishop Edward Burns from the Diocese of Dallas is also responded positively to this call. And they're going to have a rosary at 11.30 a.m. at the Cathedral Shrine of the Virgin of Guadalupe. And they also have a 12 o'clock noon mass as well. And so you can join them in person, but they also will be live streaming on their Facebook and YouTube pages as well. So two beautiful opportunities, but they both have also stated that even if you can't come out in person or if you can't watch the live stream, maybe just take a moment at that time at 11 o'clock, 1130, when the same thing is going to be happening in Rome and all across yes. the world. Pope Francis <laughs> invites all the faithful yes. to join him in uh, solidarity at the at the Rome time, which is uh, um, 1130, 12 noon central time here. Yes, absolutely. And also Bishop Burns noted that he invited all the pastors at the 77 Catholic churches in the Diocese of Dallas to join him at the Rosary and Mass or hold a similar uh, service at their own parish. So you might want to check out your own parish uh, across both dioceses and see if you can't make it to downtown to either of those places because sometimes Texas is spread out and it's a little bit of a drive. And <laughs> But I know I'm going to try to get over to one of them. Um, hopefully it's a turn of the share so it's going to be a little bit difficult. But I know for sure at 11 a.m. we are going to be joining them in prayer regardless of where we are. Uh, so I just wanted to let you all know about that. It's a very important thing for us to do right now in these uh, troubling times, especially what's going on over um, in the Europe and Asia area. So please pray for um, that whole situation and join the Pope and bishops in that hour of prayer as well. I think, did we cover all of our bases, Diane? I think so, uh, yes. So. Okay, awesome. Well, again, I want to remind you that you're listening to The Good News Show. I'm hosting today uh, Cecil Anderson along with Diane Xavier. Uh, got a great show lined up for you. And in just a moment, we're going to play this pre-recorded interview that I did with some of the members of the St. Peter and Paul Debate Club, um, some Catholic homeschoolers who are learning some amazing life skills about speaking and also being able to formulate an argument and defend an argument um, through their debate speech and debate club and it's really really uh, interesting uh, if you're going to interested in your child might be interested in doing this or if you're interested in volunteering as a judge there's lots of opportunities that they're going to speak about in this interview and without further ado i'm going to go ahead and throw it to that you're going to hear me again but it's pre-recorded me and i think i started the interview by saying good morning so past this was not thinking very well but uh with no further ado here's the interview with the saint peter and paul debate club 
And good morning. Thanks so much for tuning into the Good News Show today. I'm very excited to have some really interesting guests in studio today. Some people who are not strangers at all to the studio. We have um, some young people, which is always exciting for me to have in. And we have some young people who are involved in something really interesting, something I was ne- never did. My brother did, uh, but it was really a joy to watch um, them do. It's a speech and debate club with NCFCA uh the tournaments, which we're going to talk a little bit more about that, because even though my brother was in it, I still don't fully <laughs> remember the acronym for it. But I've got two students with me, and also their moms. I got the Kavana family, which is a you know well-known family in Catholic radio, because they have turned out so many interns for the <laughs> KTH nine ten a.m. Most recently, Samuel, and for the first time, we have the the only girl, the token girl in the family, Mary Lou Kavana, who is an eleventh eleventh grader who is involved with the speech and debate club. Saints Peter and Paul is the name of the club, and her mom Laura is with her as well. And then we also have William uh, Kirkendall, who is a 10th grader, also involved with speech and debate. And his mom is standing back as support, uh, Tamara. So thank you so much for bringing him out. Uh, so we're going to talk a little about this for the next 20 minutes or so. If you're wondering what even what speech and debate, I mean, is that what the presidents do? What, <laughs> I mean, what, what is all of this? And teenagers are doing it. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so first, I want to introduce you and so you can get to know everyone's voices. Uh, I would like to welcome Mary Lou, 11th grader. Thank Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about what exactly the organization that you're with and uh, what exactly NCFCA is? Because that's like a lot of letters in there. It is a lot of letters. Yeah, it stands for the National Christian Forensics and Communication Association, which is still kind of intimidating. Uh, You can (laughs) just call it the Speech and Debate League if you want to, but it's a national league of Christians who do speech and debate. Um, and there are different resolutions and different forms of debate and speech that you can do. And I can go into those if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit about them. Okay, yeah. So there are two debate resolutions and two debate forms. There's team policy and there's Lincoln-Douglas. And team policy is the form that I'm doing. It's very superior to Lincoln-Douglas. in my <laughs> Not at all competitive yeah, over here. <laughs> in my totally unbiased opinion. Um, the way team policy works is that you've got teams of two and you and your teammate will go against another team. And you'll run a case about something that has to do with the resolution. And the resolution this year is the United States federal government should significantly reform its policies regarding convicted prisoners under federal jurisdiction, which is also a mouthful, but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So in team policy, we bring up a case as if we're acting as Congress, and then we debate that. And in Lincoln-Douglas, the resolution is in the context of innovation, the precautionary principle ought to be valued above the precautionary principle, which in my opinion is also a mouthful, maybe more than the team policy one. Um, but Lincoln-Douglas is like team policy, except there's only one person on each team as opposed to having a partner. And also it's not focusing on a set case, it's focusing on just a set of values. I believe. Again, I'm not doing Lincoln Douglas this year. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I want to introduce William uh, into the conversation, too. William, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you also are doing the debate this year as well. Which which one are you on doing? I'm doing team policy as well. You're doing team policy yeah. as well. Okay, awesome. Uh, so can you go over again? These are not like... These are not like pretend, you know, made up kind of scenarios. These are like real life de- the topics mm-hmm. that you all are debating. So can you go over again what it is this year for team policy? Yeah, for team policy, the resolution is the United States federal government should significantly reform its policies regarding convicted prisoners under federal jurisdiction. So we're arguing like uh, prison related stuff. 
And do you, so every time you have a tournament, are you all arguing for the same side? How does that all work? Uh, actually, we argue two different sides. So the affirmative will choose a case that falls under the resolution. So me and my partner, when we go to tournaments, we're going to argue prison labor. Uh, other teams may argue abolish solitary confinement or end the death penalty. Uh, so you do that three times at a tournament. There's six rounds. So you argue your case three times and the other team has to rebut it. And then three other times you're rebutting another case. So it's like, yeah, so three affirmatives, three negatives at a tournament. That's what it's like. And just for the people listening out there who are kind of like, whoa, <laughs> oh my goodness. These are ni- like 90 minute debates. Is that right? Is that how long? What is it? Yeah, 90 minutes. 90 minutes. For team it's policy. a very, very long time to be having your brain turned on and having to keep this, uh, keep all your facts straight. So it's really impressive to be able to watch this. Uh, but the speech and debate is speech and debate. So there's also another part of the tournaments. You also are able to just give a short speech. I don't remember how long they are necessarily, but Mary, you're doing those this year as well. I am. Yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit more? about that sure so i'm not doing all of them there are about 11 different categories you can do there are platforms and interrupts and impromptus and then different categories under that so platforms are what you typically think of when you're giving a speech it's where you stand up and just talk about something um my speech this year is about awkwardness and then yeah it's it's a lot of fun to give that and then um Limited prep is the second category, and in that, I just like impromptu and APOL. I'm doing APOL, and those are speeches where you're given a topic, and you have around two to four minutes, one category has 30 minutes, to prepare for that speech, and then you have to give that speech. So you have very limited prep time for that. And then interp is where it's kind of like plays or skits, except it's usually just one person or maybe two people acting them out. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your your guys' particular club, uh, St. Peter's and Saints Peter and Paul uh, Speech and Debate Club, which is meeting at Mater Day and is part of the Our Lady of Fatima Homeschool Co-op. I should note that both of y'all are homeschooled, mm-hmm. and um, so y'all meet on Thursdays, and this is kind of when you have your club training and practice time. I think you do some outside of that time too, because it's pretty involved. Um, uh, But William, real quick, do you want to talk a little bit about the setup of how you all on an average day when you're meeting, what exactly you all do? Yeah, definitely. So what we're going to do is we usually uh, gather all in one room in the building and um, our coach will start us with a prayer and we'll start with introductions and stuff like that. And then the Lincoln Douglas folks will go into a different room and they'll be coached by a separate coach uh, and then we're going to be with our coach in that same room with um, our coach, and we're going to be talking about team policy, how to improve our case. Sometimes we'll be debating formally in club, uh, depending on the day. Yeah, absolutely. I want to bring in Laura Cavana to the conversation as well, who is the coach, one of the coaches that like William was talking about, who has been involved with the uh, St. Peter and Paul Speech and Debate Club for quite a while. I think a lot of your kids went through it, but um, if you don't mind me, if you what you can recall from how you've been involved for quite a while, uh, kind of how it got started at Mater Day. I don't know how, when that happened, if you know too much about it. Sure. Uh, we have been involved in speech and debate as a family for about 13 years. Um, we first initially belonged to a club in our area called Veritas. Um, our co-op director kept asking for speech and debate at co-op because she understood the value. So I started a club there. Um, and our coaches, I actually manage the club. I coach speech. I hire alumni coaches mm. <laughs> for debate because I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> these these kids are really sharp, and I feel like the alumni coaches really do a good job. Yeah, so. absolutely. 
Uh, just a reminder that we're talking to some folks from the Saints Peter and Paul Speech and Debate Club, which is a club that competes with the uh, NCFCA, which is the National Christian Forensics and Communication Association, uh, in their speech and debate tournaments. And so we're talking to Mary Lou Cavana, Laura Cavana, William Kirkendall, um, who are all members or coaches of the club. And uh, talking a little bit about how you mentioned that the uh, director of the um, uh, co-op really wanted and saw the value of speech and debate. Can you talk a little bit about what that value is from your perspective? Sure. Um, so the, the kids really learn to think on their feet and to answer answer tough questions. I mean, some of what uh, my students have come out of the tournaments with, um, even if they aren't formally doing apologetics like Mary is, they do a lot of apologetics behind the scenes. So the NCFCA is a Christian league. And so for a lot of these students, this is the first time they're Catholic faith is actually really challenged. And so all the apologetics that they had been learning through grade school, they've never been questioned because they're always surrounded by, you know, their Catholic friends and no one ever asks them these questions. And so they get around this kind of a more mixed audience and they've learned to communicate and they've learned to have poise and answer questions and not get flustered. Mm. And they're totally able and totally willing to answer those hard questions or maybe sometimes say, I don't have the answer. Let me get back to you. So... It's really beautiful that way. Yeah, good character building, too, uh-huh. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I want to bring Mary back into the conversation. Um, well, actually, William, too. Both of you, I would like to, let's start with William, talk about what exactly a tournament is like. Because you all have a few of these a year. You kind of practice, and then you get to go out and, like, kind of, after you've learned your your uh, what the various policies that you're going to be debating on and such, um, what exactly is a tournament like? Yeah, it is so fun. Um, a tournament is... So we're going to be in, we go to different places. So Lawnview in East Texas was my uh, first debate tournament. And then there's a couple others in Fort Worth and places like that. Some of them are online as well. They're, they're really fun. You get to debate with other folks that are, that are not of the same club. So you don't know what case you're going up against. Mm-hmm. It's just in general, it's really fun to be debating and arguing and making good points, using that good refutation, good logic things like that. And even when you're not debating, I just love hanging out there, just talking to friends. It's just, it's such a fun experience. <laughs> and for Mary, sure. anything to add to that? Yeah. So I've been going to tournaments since I was eight. So about half my life and actually competing since I was around 13. And it's a lot of fun. Um, even when I was a junior before I could actually compete, I just was, I love to hang out with my friends and watch the older people debate and speak. And so the way it works is that there's debate and then there's speech and then there's debate again. So there's kind of a timeline where there are big chunks of free time if you're only doing debate and big chunks of free time if you're only doing speech. So you kind of got, let's see, yeah, you got that free time. So you're able to like watch your friends speak or debate or you're able to just do homework or hang out or take a nap. This is an all-day tournament, but it's a lot of fun because you kind of alternate your time between actually debating and speaking and also just being able to hang out and watch other speeches. That's awesome. I feel like I guarantee some people listening right now, some adults listening right now are like, that does to me you know having to speak in front of people or debate in front of people for long periods of time that does not sound like fun that sounds like stress have you all ever been you know like very stressed out about it or is it just you feel very well prepared going into these things or you've gotten better over time i don't know whoever wants to answer that yeah i feel pretty prepared when i go in to speak because i've been working with my partner on our case we're we're working on it and everything so i usually do feel prepared um it's it can be stressful sometimes, but most of the time it's super fun. Like maybe first round we're going in 
first round out of six, we're going in and we're, you know, we're having a little bit of a hard time. Like in Lawnview, that wasn't the case. Like Lawnview, it was really, it was really well. Um, but usually it's just super fun. There's not much stress in it for me. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why y'all are coming on besides to talk all about the, uh, the club in general is that, uh, when these tournaments come up, you have to have not only all the students come and participate, but you have to have people to judge all of these, uh, you know, uh, these debates and to judge the speeches. And uh, th- these people don't just come out of nowhere. You, they're, they're volunteers from the community and people may be listening to Catholic radio right now who might be able to come out. So Laura, do you want to talk a little bit about the upcoming tournament and uh, that people maybe who are listening are kind of like, I want to see what this is about and want to get involved. Uh, this is a good way of doing it. Sure. Um, there is a, Burleson tournament coming up April 28th and 30th. So if you're anywhere in the, well, anywhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and willing to drive, or especially if you're in South Fort Worth or Burleson, um, that tournament runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And um, the rounds and the speeches um, get very difficult to judge on Saturday because those are our finals rounds and those Mm -hmm. are the best of the best. Um, The Burleson tournament is actually our Region 11 um, championship. So we, this is already a cut above the rest. So um, it's 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 going to be a good tournament. There, there's going to be a great turnout of kids and very well spoken, very well prepared. And uh, yeah, again, that one's in Burleson. There's one coming up also that's online if you'd prefer an online experience. And the date. Oh, so on April sixth through ninth, I think. April sixth through ninth. Yeah. And you can find both of those by going to NCFCA. Org, and we'll give the information again later, but in cfca.org, and you hit judge, and you can find those both those tournaments and sign up for both. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I, I have, you know, again, I think I'm thinking to the people listening before, because I had never judged anything like this before, uh, before my brother was in it, and I came out, and it's really funny, because I came out to see my brother, you know, participate, and then you walk in, and they're like, are you here to judge? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know if you want me to judge. Like, what, what qualifications do I have? Talk a little bit about that. It's it, They are very open to a lot of, you know, pretty much anybody. So what are what what do what are the qualifications you have to have to debate speech or debate or to judge speech or debate? <laughs> we need uh, you have to have graduated from high school and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty low bar. <laughs> well, you know, we we are all communicating all day, all the time. So you already really know how to do this. Um, it's it's a matter of learning how to shuffle the ballots and fill out ballots and all that. Um, we use, uh, NCFCA uses a online pro- platform in order to get the, the ballots out there. So you're, you're just typing in your comments on your ballot. And so for speech, a judge will come in and rank a room of eight students, first place, second place, third place. Um, it's not that hard to shuffle the ballots and then leave comments. And you get pretty good at it pretty quick. And you, you learn to make comments like, what were you doing with your hands? <laughs> or can you please look at my eyes? Um, you, you learn these, you learn to do this really, really fast. Um, yeah, and the judges are, are, they're always happy they came. Mm-hmm. They always leave uplifted and excited about this, you know, the coming generation. 
Mm. Absolutely. And kind of like you all have fun participating in it. I think the judges have fun doing it as well. And it is a fun experience. You get to hear some, you might hear a speech on awkwardness from Mary Lou. (laughs) Exactly. We only have a few more minutes remaining, um, but I want to bring Mary Lou and William back into the conversation. Uh, Mary, I wanted to ask you um, about the importance from your perspective, I kind of talked to your mom a little bit, of learning the skills that you learn in speech and debate, especially as a Catholic uh, in a world that's getting more and more interesting every single day. Um, Why is it important to you and what have you learned from the experience? That's a great question. Debate has taught me a lot of things. Like it's taught me to think on my feet. It's taught me to research and evaluate what's actually credible and what's not. It's taught me to work with other people and to be polite. I had one round where I kind of lost because... I was kind of rude to the judge. So it's taught me that. That's a really important <laughs> Humbling part. experience. <laughs> yeah, humbling experience. And I've met a lot of good people. And most of all, it's, yeah, like I said earlier, it's taught me to think on my feet. I also do apologetics, which is a category of speech where you're given a topic related to your faith, like explain the omniscience of God and why it's significant. And a lot of those topics are things that I can talk about as a Catholic, like justification and reconciliation and um, and that sort of thing. So I've learned both. First of all, I've learned how to con- condense all of that information into a six-minute speech. And I've also learned how to talk with other people about it. Because a lot of the APOL students will be debating these things in between their speeches. And like I remember seeing my brothers um, back when I was still a junior and they were still competing, talking with their friends about different Catholic uh, views and different Protestant views. And the crazy thing is they were all really civil and really polite while doing it, mm. which I feel like is something we've kind of lost now. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> little so debates bit. taught me how to argue my side while still being polite for the most part, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And William, kind of similar question. You've not been involved as long, so uh, still a little bit more of a new experience for you. But what has it taught you um, in the time that you have done? Yeah, so this is my first year, so I haven't been doing it as long as Mary. But it's taught me to look at both sides of the argument. It's like I'm not super biased towards one side. Doing the research and everything has taught me to look at at both sides of the argument and choose which one is better and to not be biased uh, at either one. So it it's taught me that. It's also, I think it's really important because maybe one day we're arguing with, uh, one day we'll be in the situation where we have to argue with a non-Catholic and we have to defend our Catholic views. And I think debate and learning how to debate um, government and political stuff will help us to debate in out there in the world when we when we need to defend our Catholic faith. So that's why I, I think it's really important and why I've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. And just the last couple of minutes remaining, we've talked a little bit about um, how to get involved if you want to be a judge at some of the upcoming tournaments, and we'll give that information again in just a minute. But also, if you have a child, a teenager who it may you think might really enjoy doing something like this, uh, St. Peter and Paul Club have a open house kind of night coming up. Laura, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. We have a, we call it a promo night, and we have a little bit of a debate demo. Uh, William will be participating in that. We have an apologetics demo. Mary will be uh, participating in that. And uh, there will be pizza. But uh, (laughs) we just talk a little bit about the club. We talk about what it's like to be involved in the NCFCA because it's not it's not just a class. There's a whole lot more involved going to the tournaments. There is an expense. Um, There is a time commitment. So we just want people to know what it's about. Um, I have loved the program for my kids. And so I'm just really happy to share that. Um, You can, I I do need RSVPs and you can RSVP by emailing me 
and I'll go ahead and give that. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. It's Laura L O R A dot Kavana C A V A N N A at Gmail dot com. Awesome. And that's Sunday, March twenty seventh. Sunday, March twenty seventh, five thirty to seven. Awesome at Mater Day. Awesome. So yes. you can RSVP to Laura Cavana again, laura.cavana at gmail.com if you want to learn a little bit more about the NCFCA. I'm amazed I haven't messed that up yet. <laughs> uh, and the Saints Peter and Paul Club at their promo night on March uh, 27th. So make sure you email her about that. But also, if you want to be a judge for the upcoming Burleson tournament, which is April 28th through 30th, and that's the, the Region 11 championship, uh, you can show up to that or sign up online at ncfca okay there it is i, I spoke too soon and? i got too prideful <laughs> ncfca.org and you can sign up to judge there and find out more information about the upcoming tournaments and there's also that online one happening april 6th through 9th uh that about is wraps up the time that we have is there anything else you all wanted to mention that we didn't get to um there's one thing i'd like to say so if you're like a parent and your kid doesn't like speaking and would not be interested in debate I would still suggest that you look into it because when I started out, I'm not like William. I did not want to do debate at all. <laughs> I found it boring and I kind of drudged, trudged through my first year. But by my second year, I was I was tracking with it. I was having a good time. And then by this year, I'm just full on into it. And like my oldest, my second oldest brother, Raf, he didn't want to do debate either. Mom had to bribe him with video games <laughs> into doing it. And at the end of his first year, he decided he wanted to keep going. And so he super seniored in his last year. And by that time, he was like winning national opens. So it's a really good opportunity, whether or not your homeschooled kid wants to do debate or not. I would suggest still looking into it and seeing if it's a good fit. Awesome. Great little uh, 30-second promo there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all so much for coming out. Again, uh, Laura Cavana and her daughter, Mary Lou Cavana, and William Kirkendall, uh, who came out from the Saints Peter and Paul uh, Debate Club uh, that is under the Our Lady of Fatima uh, co-op at Mater Day. Thank you all so much. And we'll make sure we post some of this information on our Facebook group group as well so people can find out there uh thanks so much for tuning in to the good news show and we'll be back right after this break holy trinity catholic school in grapevine invites all kath 9 10 a.m listeners to its 25th annual gala on saturday april 30th at the hearst conference center the gala is the largest fundraiser for holy trinity catholic school and funds raised will support the school's operating budget and programs such as curriculum athletic programs facilities and faculty come enjoy good food a live and silent auction and entertainment sponsorships are needed to purchase tickets and for more information visit holytcs.org did you know the knights of columbus was founded by a priest to provide for widows and orphans this was father mcgivney's primary concern in 1882 at our founding today the knights of columbus has grown into a fortune 1000 company that has over 24 billion dollars in assets and well over 111 billion dollars of life insurance in force doesn't your catholic family deserve to be protected by a catholic company that has your morals and faith in mind join today online and discover our catholic difference at knights.net Join the people of St. Jude Parish in Allen on the third Saturday of each month as they hold their 40 Days for Life. Following morning Mass, participants will carpool to the Whole Women's Health Clinic to peacefully pray for an end to abortion and offer Choose Life handouts. Participants will meet up back at St. Jude after about an hour. If you've been looking for a way to further the pro-life cause, this is your chance.
Are you a commercial building owner, facilities manager, or commercial property owner who's having constant water leak issues with your roof? My name is Mari Buford, owner of Buford Roofing and Construction, proud sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network, and a member of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Grapevine. Commercial roof repairs and replacements can be stressful. We can explain the process of resurfacing your roof. We may be reached at 817-329-ROOF or at BufordRoofing.com. St. Anne's Parish in Coppell welcomes Lisa Brinkemeyer, Catholic speaker and founder of Walking with Purpose, a national Catholic women's Bible study ministry, to an evening night out for women of all ages. Walking with Purpose Live is coming to the Dallas-Fort Worth area Thursday, May 5th, and registration is now open. Lisa will touch your heart with her talk, Alleluia Anyway, discovering good despite anxiety as she walks us through handling anxiety and equips us in moving forward to a place of emotional rest and spiritual security. Events sell out quickly. Visit walkingwithpurpose.com. Click on shop, then click on events. Do you want a faith-filled Catholic community where your child will thrive? Discover Immaculate Conception Catholic School in Denton, where your child will receive the very best spiritual foundation, along with excellence in education. ICCS serves 250 students ages 3 through 8th grade. Whether it's living the rosary, the celebration of the Mass, or the formation of saints, scholars, musicians, and athletes, Our Lady School is the place to be. For more information, call 940-381-1155 to arrange a tour or visit catholicschooldenton.org. And welcome back to the Good News Show. I hope you enjoyed that interview that we did with the young people from St. Peter's and Paul Debate Club. And if you're interested in it, you take advantage of the uh, judging opportunities and the open house that they have coming up. It was a fun conversation. And again, like I said, it's always uh, a pleasure to have some young people in the studio who are on fire for their faith and doing some awesome things. Uh, we This is Cecil Anderson again co-hosting today. Usually I'm just the co-host, but today I got to host because uh, Dave is on a plane to Midland and preparing for our share tomorrow. And uh, Diane has been running the board uh, flawlessly so far. And we're really excited to welcome onto the program our in-studio guest who's going to be talking about a very interesting subject. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about uh, the pro-life movement, but a very specific side of it that I don't think we've discussed very often. Uh, and our guest is Dr. Elvira Lim. Uh, Dr. Lim is a fr- former forensic psychiatrist who now is a volunteer at Birth Choice, one of the um, wonderful uh, facilities we have in the DFW area to take care of pregnant mothers. And uh, she's going to talk a little bit about what her work was. If you're wondering what a forensic psychiatrist is and you've never heard that term before, um, she's going to tell us about it and kind of how that has helped her in the pro-life ministry that she's doing now. Uh, So first off, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Lim, and uh, welcome to the program. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. So for those who are listening who have never uh, heard or, or don't really know what a forensic psychiatrist does, when I hear the word forensic, I'm automatically thinking about, you know, crime and dead crime. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was, I'm glad you put it more bluntly. That That's exactly <laughs> what I, you know, I think of, of crime TV shows. And you're like, oh, right. forensic, what you see on TV. But what does a forensic a psychiatrist do? And kind of give us some examples of that. All right. Okay, I'll be happy to. I often get asked those questions. Um, but a forensic psychiatrist, of course, is, first of all, a trained psychiatrist, which is a specialty of medicine. And then um, I had to go to some subspecialty fellowship training to become subspecialized in forensic psychiatry, which is actually that subspecialization that is involved with uh, dealing with issues that intersect between psychiatry and the law. So it's easier if I will give you the examples yes, of, of what that means, you know. Um, it involves uh, 
criminal, civil, and administrative uh, involvement, usually we are asked by third parties. So uh, before I give the examples, uh, it's probably a good idea. Uh, a lot of people are confused. Even my ex-patients were confused. See, um, the general psychiatry, the practice of clinical psychiatry is very different in framework from the practice of forensic psychiatry. As a clinical psychiatrist, my goal is to establish therapeutic alliance with the patients that I treat, uh, people with mental illness. So we have a fiduciary role, you know, to do everything like we're advocates for our patients. But when we are called on by the court, by the lawyers, um, or administrative uh, judges to get involved in evaluating somebody in a um, legal setting that uh, raises some mental health issues, um, I always explain to the evaluee that we did not have, you know, a patient-doctor relationship. So um, objectivity and truth-finding are actually the attributes that forensic psychiatrists aspire to, to have. So an example of what a forensic psychiatrist does, for example, is in a criminal setting, if you committed a crime and then you murder somebody and then when you got arrested, you tell the judge that you were insane mm -hmm. at the time you committed that, then the judge might call on me to evaluate you indeed to guide the court, we don't make the ultimate decision, but to guide the court based on my findings, whether in fact, you know, that the individual was insane, which is not the same as the definition of mentally ill mm -hmm. in, right. in a clinical setting. And there are administrative issues as well. Um, for example, um, like um, maybe some heirs, uh, of a deceased person might mm -hmm. contest the validity of the will. You can also be asked to evaluate, you know, the competency of the will author at the time that the will was made. And in civil um, settings, you know, we can get involved in malpractice litigations and all of that sort. So really, um, uh, what I like, my, my favorite to tell the story when I get asked that same question, you know, just in a social setting is um, my very, very first experience in testifying for three days in an egregious criminal, you know, trial. Um, the, the district attorney asked me that question in court. And my answer was very simple. I looked at the jury and I said, well, the forensic psychiatrist is the seeker of truth in the justice system where injustice does not necessarily equal truth. Mm. And um, I saw the, the reaction in the faces of the, the jury. I did not say that facetiously. I would have not said that in court. But uh, whenever before we testify, we get a pre-trial um, pre uh, discussion with a lawyer who my opinions uh, I mean, the, the opinion that I, that I had cited on that in, at that time, the opinion sort of kind of cited in favor of the prosecution. So when he asked me that question in our pre-trial um, meeting, 
And I said that actually jokingly to him. And he said, I like that. I will ask that again in court, and I want you to answer the same way. Wow. <laughs> that's really cool. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, so that's, that's uh, what a forensic psychiatrist uh, does, basically. Um, wow, that's awesome. I mean, so I'm sure a lot of people listening right now just got a, were very fascinated <laughs> by that uh, explanation. And I, I kind of been interested, how, was that something when you were in study that you were like, that's, what, that's the field I want to go into? Were you interested in general psychology first? Or how did you kind of get into that career? No, um, yeah, uh, I still have, a fa- I also have a favorite story about that. While in medical school, my best friend uh, used to tell me a lot, you should have been a lawyer instead of a doctor. <laughs> and then so I asked her why. And she said, because no one can win an argument with you. <laughs> and, and to me, that's really laughable because I never considered myself argumentative. Sure. And um, so, well, anyway, I've forgotten about that. But in the first seven years of my practicing in uh, West Texas, I had been uh, requested by the courts to do evaluations for the court and testify as as an expert, which is what forensic psychiatrists do. And I have refused all that because um, one thing about my background and how I treated anything that I do in life, including jobs, is that I grew up in spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. And it was ingrained in me that everything I do, I, I do, you know, with my whole heart, soul, and mind, just like how we're supposed to love God, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I refused because I, I told them, you know, um, I'm not an expert in that area, so I will not do it. But I saw the need in the community. And so as the requests, you know, continued to come, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to this, all these continuing medical education seminars on the psychiatry and the law. That was in 1990s when... Um, there's really not a formally recognized subspecialty of forensic psychiatry. So I was very much amused by, by, um, by the, um, the issues, you know, mm-hmm. that is involved there. And, um, so I even bought the book that was being used by those non-accredited fellowships going on <laughs> then. I finished the book and then a year later, the American Board of Psychiatry and the Law um, actually uh, announced that uh, they will grandfather everyone who has been working as experts, but then in the future that they will start accreditation of the forensic fellowships. So I was in the first batch of wow. the uh, accredited uh, fellowships. I was accepted at UC Davis. And that was in 1997, so um, when I came back to Lubbock in 1998, and until I retired in 2019, pretty much forensic psychiatry had occupied a vast majority of my professional time. And I tell you, you know, it's a very labor-intensive work, but it's the most gratifying experience for me. I just loved it. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, which I want to remind everyone who's listening right now that this is the Good News Show, and we're talking to our guest, Dr. Elvira Lim, who is a uh, retired forensic psychiatrist, she retired a few years ago in 2019, and now is a volunteer and a board member uh, at Birth Choice. Um, and so I'm kind of interested, 
this is a this, you said it was a very labor intensive job right and so you retire and then you got involved in the pro-life movement which is also a pretty intensive you know right. um volunteered uh, right. thing to do i'm kind of interested uh why did you you said you retired and when you retire you have lots of volunteer opportunities i'm sure presented to you what made you focus in on the pro-life movement well um actually i i must say um can i say that when I retired, I tell my friends and family that retirement is not really the word for me. I look at it as refirement. There you go. You know, because at every stage in life, we are called to do something. And Absolutely. I firmly believe that I have to ask the Lord for discernment as to what my next phase of life would be. So after one and a half years of um of uh, just taking the real break, you know, from sure. <laughs> from working and then having now your own free time to do what you want to do. I had a project that I had in mind, um, and then it took me a year to finish that. And after I finished that, in one of my um, daily mental prayers, I thought, I don't have any excuse now. Mm. But to sort of kind of answer the call to wherever I, I I get called, and yes, you're right. There are many opportunities, even in the in the faith sector Absolutely. in the Catholic Church, you know, for me to to volunteer. But the pro life issue just had become, you know, more and more loud as far as calling me, mm. and I think. Um, uh, my background, uh, having a set of skills, you know, um, understanding human behavior, social behavior, etc. You know, I just felt like um, maybe, maybe I wasn't sure actually, but maybe that um, this is what uh, God would like me to do. But I have to find out, right? Right. So I sort of kind of showed up at the Gospel of Life meeting at my parish, St. Jude in church in um, in Allen. And I was just curious. They were just having Zoom meetings. It was pandemic. Um, so I was just curious as to what really are the activities, different branches of pro-life sure. movement is going on. And then one thing led to another, and I was introduced to... Um, Somebody said that, no, you know, um, she probably is needed much more in um, other areas other than, you know, the uh, sidewalk counseling or whatever. And I was introduced to the new executive director of Birth Choice, Aaron, and I think you know him very well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you know, at that time, I never heard of Birth Choice or any other pregnancy resource center. But my my question was really, I guess, as a psychiatrist, I was wondering not so much as um, uh, what, you know, what they do as far as, you know, praying for these women and all that. I thought it's obvious to me seeing the 40 days for life, et cetera, that there's enough people doing that. But I've always wondered what happens to the woman afterwards, you know, sure. uh, those who have chosen abortion. And so I met with Aaron, and as I listened to their mission, 
I vision and values of the organization, as he explained it to me, I thought, well, maybe this is a good fit because I realized right there up front that uh, birth choice or other pregnancy resource centers are not simply about converting women to the decision, mm -hmm. you know, to not have an abortion or to even convert them to Catholicism or another faith, but to really be there to listen to the woman in crisis because of unplanned pregnancy. And in fact, um, I think they are very much more concerned with um, not only saving babies. Yes, of course, they would like that. You know, they would love to save hundreds of babies, of right? But when they emphasize to me that uh, they would, they really are very interested also in saving the woman, mm -hmm. you know, helping the woman, uh, they do not turn away anybody, you know, because of faith or whatever. And even after the ones that they have been talking to finally decided to, um, um, go for an abortion, they continue to call them and tell them that they will be available um, if they just want to talk or anything like that. And in fact, when I first uh, volunteered, um, they really uh, were in the process of renewing their accreditation uh, as an ambulatory clinic. Mm -hmm. And because of my experience also in administrative medicine, I thought, okay, well, this is probably why God sent me here, because I do have some experience in that. And um, so I got busy at first, you know, reviewing medical policies and procedures and reviewing the charts. And it's actually by reviewing the charts written by those client advocates and the nurses um, that I met vicariously the women that come to the center. And that really gave me the um, sort of kind of the validation that I was in the right place. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, there is one, um, I'll, I just have to mention this, when I've read a story about a client advocate um, uh, calling someone after she had already learned that um, she eventually decided to have an abortion. And uh, when the client answered and picked up the phone, um, she was, according to the note, she, the client said, oh, thank you so much. You were the first person that checked on me. Mm. Can you imagine that? You know, you've had an abortion and the first person that called you was not your medical provider. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. The one who performed the abortion in the first place right, was follow -up or calling something, you yeah. to follow up how you're doing mm -hmm. is really the client advocate at birth choice. And that's when I said, I think I'm in the right place. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So you've been there for a year or two, I guess, mid-pandemic till present. Uh, yeah, the fall of, of 2020, 2020, to be exact. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So... And in fact, when I when somebody nominated me to the board, uh, my first concern is, will I be able to continue to be there every Monday afternoon? Sure. Which was what I do. I go there and I just support the the uh, clinical director, um, uh, the clinical services director for whatever 
medical related, you know, um, issues they're having that I could help. Mm-hmm. And um, the client advocates also are trained in an interviewing technique called mot- motivational interviewing, which is a very good technique, actually, uh, when you're talking to someone in crisis or someone who really is very ambivalent uh, on what to do about their situation in life. So it applies very much to the women that come to to our centers. So mm-hmm. because of my knowledge in that area, too, um, I I was blessed with the opportunity to actually uh, volunteer to mentor and counsel, you know, um, uh, the, the client advocates there. Recently, I actually uh, did a needs assessment with a staff at, at Birth Choice um, because Erin and I were talking about um, compassion fatigue. Mm, yes. <laughs> that is very common in this line of work. And so I've just started a monthly compassion fatigue awareness and support group for the staff. Uh, basically, it's really a principle of healer, heal thyself. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, we can't sure. take care of others unless we take care exactly, of ourselves. Exactly, exactly. Yes, that's a that's a massive thing. We only have uh, a few minutes remaining till the end of the show, but I uh, just want to remind everyone that we are talking to Dr. Elvira Lim, who is a volunteer at Birth Choice, and definitely you are in the right place. I think you're filling a lot of gaps, like just taking care of the advocates who you know aren't probably you know it's a it's a it's a big job, and and yeah, fatigue is a real thing that we sometimes mm-hmm. don't talk about, um, mm-hmm. especially in ministry like that. Right. Um, so just just kind of a couple of questions about you obviously have a very unique perspective of the woman who comes into the um to a place like birth choice and what her mindset is mm-hmm. what are what kind of are like the psychological effects of her you know when she's contemplating abortion and post maybe abortion kind of what are what is the mindset like and you know how how do people serve her the best you know review of the literature on this topic actually will reveal that maybe the most common reasons why women choose abortion are really more of psychosocial like they're too young you know to parent uh, they ha- they are in an abusive re- relationship uh, no social support financial reasons and all that but i think what is important for us to to know is that because even us pro-lifers probably buy into a very uh, big misconception that uh, choosing abortion is just a cup out and an easy way out for these women mm-hmm. the truth is that um, abortion is a very complex issue and so uh, women do not have just one factor that got involved in their decision. And uh, so I think reminding us that will, mm, will help us in being an active listener and being compassionate, you know, to the women who come to us uh, for help um, about the psychological distress after having performed abortion. You can read all the literature and depending on who's doing the research, you will see a lot of that, but I don't think there's really anything definite. My, my feeling is even the reasons, the common reasons for abortion, you know, the, they, they just answer some, um, uh, multiple choice questions and all that. And, um, but, uh, 
really they have not really um, gotten involved with understanding the whys of why that reason was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very important that um, we just help in um, exploring the 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 why why they think that reason is very um, uh, reasonable you know mm. for them uh, to direct them to their choices because quite frankly um, um, when we just tell them what to do motivational interviewing for example is directive not directional so we there it's not simply telling them what to do, where mm-hmm. to go. It is really helping them understand their choices. And um, I think actually that there's a lot of need for even ongoing professional mental health counselors to come and volunteer in this sure. pregnancy resource centers and afterwards. So I'm calling on yeah. anybody who's listening. Open call to if you're If you're a mental health professional, because it goes beyond you know, that motivational interviewing. Wow, that's awesome. We are just about out of time. We could honestly talk about this um, for much longer, hopefully forever. in the future, forever. <laughs> hopefully maybe, maybe in the future we could do a more extended interview with uh, with Dave or myself. Um, but thank you so much for coming in. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything else that you, you kind of put out the call, obviously to anyone who's a mental health provider right now, like who might be interested in um, uh, volunteering at any of the pro-life clinics that we have in the area, but is there anything else that you want to just say to our audience to about the ministry of the pro-life movement? Well, I, I, uh, yeah. And the one thing is that, 